You're listening to the Multiverse Fancast, proud member of the Misfit Faction Media Network. All right, then. On with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Multiverse Fancast. Don't forget, you can take us on the go with Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any other listening stations. You can also check out our content on our website, themisfitfaction.com. And with me today, I have Paul. Paul, how are you? I'm doing well, Ronnie. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, sir. And we also have Rob. Rob, how are you? I'm still recovering from having watched Morbius last week. <laughs> Aren't we all? But we are here today. We are going to be talking about Blade. So we're kind of sticking with the vampire theme, going from Morbius to Blade. For the structure of the show, we're going to do a little quick character study, kind of give a history of the character Blade, and then we're going to talk about the movie Blade, and then kind of sort of the other two and the other one as well. But first, we have <laughs> killing it, Ronnie. A bit of news, Rob. <laughs> sure. So, I've got only it's been actually kind of a slow news week. So, the first and the bigger of the things that happened this week all revolved around the Flash's Ezra Miller. Also, let's not forget the Secrets of Dumbledore's Ezra Miller. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's right. Is he in the new one? That comes yes. out next week. Okay, I didn't know he was in that one too. Very, I knew he was in the last one. Very strange timing for all this. <sighs> So Ezra Miller ran into some legal problems recently. Paul, you want to take us through those a little bit? Well, it seems that Ezra Miller was at a bar. It sounds like in Hawaii? Yes. Yes, it was was in Hawaii. At a bar in Hawaii, and he got into an altercation with another couple there, and they were doing karaoke, and I guess he started heckling, and apparently assault and harassment charges were filed, and yeah, he was taken into custody. Not assault. Disorderly conduct and harassment. Because all he did was snatch the microphone from the girl, and he lunged at the guy playing darts. But my understanding is it doesn't end there, does it? He's had previous... No, I mean with this couple... From, oh, they're they're. I think they want to do a restraining order yeah. and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, because my understanding was then he like went to their hotel room or something afterwards this and like a horror continued story. to harass them. Like it just kept going, and and they filed a restraining order against him now. All what I do know for sure is you know because of course this is all allegedly, but because this is, is America, yes, and it's allegedly until proven guilty. Correct. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is that DC had an emergency <laughs> meeting about Ezra Miller and discussing sort of how they're going to handle this. So Miller allegedly broke into the couple's bedroom and proceeded okay. to steal their wallets, credit cards, debit cards, bank possessions. Passports, driver's licenses, social security cards. Allegedly. Ooh. Yeah, that, oh, that, that is like, yeah. That's a lot. But um, so it was confirmed that WB did have a meeting about all this, but they are now downplaying the severity of consequences for him in regards to it. It's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Ezra Miller has had a lot of trouble in the past with the yeah. law. There was like the video that came out of him choking a, a woman. Oh, yeah. uh, that was a few years ago. Or no, scratch that. That was two years ago Oof. now that I'm reading it. Wow. But yeah, he's he's definitely he's there's, you know, twenty pounds of mar- twenty grams of marijuana yeah. at one point. Like there's there's something not right with him. Yeah. We need, we need to talk about Ezra. I get that joke. 
Thank you. I wasn't sure anyone would. You want to explain it for the audience? There's a movie he was in called We Need to Talk About Kevin, yeah, where he good. plays like a school shooter or yes, something Yes, he does. Like yeah, very it's, good. It's dark. Well, yeah. they did an episode of Supernatural where they titled it We Need to Talk About Kevin. Oh, did they? Yeah. And it was oh, so as long as it's tied to Supernatural, it's good. Well, no. I, <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> but, yeah. So Ezra Miller, it's weird because like, I like Ezra Miller, but I'm not like, man, Ezra Miller. Right. Like. He seems like he's the kind of guy that wouldn't be fun to meet, and apparently not. He's an interesting actor to watch on screen. I always enjoy seeing him, like because he never does anything straight. He always gives like a very kind of neat spin on a character. Sometimes it's eccentric, you know, like Jared Leto's kind of eccentric. I'm thinking of in Dumbledore, where he's kind of squirrely and... and uh, emo yeah very yeah. emo and then you know compare that with say like you know with the flash where he's sort of like kind of this kid you know who just discovered these powers and he's all excited about it mm-hmm. so you know he, he is interesting so i hope the wb or dc or whoever can figure this out i think I, they will i think he's done you do i think so i think you know just reading up on it too apparently they're th- saying that's there it's been there's been 10 calls since he's been on Hawaii of him, or at least someone that looks like him, mm-hmm. doing some shady stuff as well, too. So, like, I, I definitely feel like there's something not mentally stable with him, and I think that's going to be DC's way to push him out, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Because I did like him as the Flash, yeah, but I think it's going to be their way to push him out and find someone new, whoever that is. Maybe it has not been unheard of for them to remove an actor from a film after it's been shot and put somebody else in there. Now, this is a main character, it, it yeah. so I don't know, it might be too much. You know, if we had Grant Gustin's face CGI'd onto all of these Ezra Millers, and so the that, film. that's the big. The big question now, the, there's a big fan movement support for Grant Gustin to take over the main continuity because flash. that's what the fans wanted. I what for years ago when we got Ezra Miller. Yeah, seriously. But the problem is, and we ran into the same problem with uh, Smallville and Tom Welling when Superman Returns was coming out. Everybody's like, no, just you have Superman already. I'd rather the Arrowverse do its thing because the Arrowverse is dying. Like, it it's, mm-hmm. it sucks. Like, even I've fallen off watching most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like 19 episodes behind on everything. But for me, like, Grant Gustin is great, but I don't think he'd, A, I don't think he'd want the role. You know, it's... It, Flash is going to end soon at yeah. some point, and you know he's I also definitely... feel like he's he's old, isn't he? No, he's about our age, thirty ish. But old, I'm old to play like old a then. old to play like a young, yeah, not not well, like the, young Flash, right. but a the, younger. The question Flash. would then always become like, do they just restart their con? Do they Flashpoint again? Do they? Because <laughs> I mean, like that, that's the other thing. Yeah. The Flash TV show already did his greatest hits. Yeah. they did Flashpoint. I'm, they did Crisis yeah. on Infinite Earths. They did all these things. I'm curious to see. How, how much of the Flash movie has been completed? All of it. If you remember so, the rule. So why not just like tweak the ending somehow, <laughs> keep him in, and then you introduce a new Flash into it? Like if, you introduce your next Flash as like, right? you know. If you can anoint, you must Flashpoint. <laughs> Do you get it? Nope. Oh. <laughs> All right. And our next bit of news. <laughs> next bit of news is the box office for Morbius. So gotcha. A dollar. It, <laughs> so it opened up on uh, the opening weekend with $39 million. Not too bad. Uh, which is not bad. 
It's not good for a superhero franchise, though. If it was 1998. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, comparing it to Venom, Venom, I think, was close to $80 million. This one has a lot of stink surrounding it, so a lot of people stayed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's, here's one of the most disturbing things about it. On Friday, April 1st, which is pretty much its main opening day, it came out with $17.3 million. Now, traditionally... On a Saturday following that, grosses should go up because people have the whole day off. People plan on doing things on the weekend. History has shown us that the second day, that Saturday, grosses always go up. It actually dropped by 24% from Friday to Saturday. And then from Saturday to Sunday, it dropped 35%. They are, right now, there is a prediction that in this weekend, it's supposed to drop around 71% from its opening day, from its opening weekend. By comparison, Batman v Superman dropped 67% from first to second weekend. So they're talking about a steep, and that's one of the steepest, steepest Mm -hmm. for a superhero tentpole movie. They're saying that this is going to be even worse. So it Morbius, I mean it, it it beat its projected. Its projected was supposed to be thirty three. It did thirty nine. Correct. Um, currently, right now, it's sitting at a hundred and two. I think a hundred and two, hundred and three. Oh, that, yeah, that's probably uh, total worldwide. Yeah, to- total world world worldwide box office. Yeah, right here one hundred two point six with a budget of seventy five mil. So it it made thirty million dollars almost. Yeah. I mean, and that's for, for a movie that was. That yeah, and for for us surprising. we're like that's great thirty yeah. million dollars, but for a studio who's trying to create a trilogy because also remember this that sequels never earn as much as their originals correct and so that does not this is it's not a good business model to go forward with a sequel for mm-hmm. this and I think my fingers are crossed that we shouldn't go forward with a sequel anyway I wouldn't mind seeing the character again yes but I mm-hmm. or scratch that if they want to do a sequel. They need to do a better script. They need a, mm-hmm. and I hate to say it, they need a better director. Yeah, yeah. But I, I have no problem seeing the character. It sucks when you see a decent character in a sh- yeah. in a crappy movie. Yeah. Which I, I think tying it into what we're talking about today, I, I I would say I would bet money we get Morbius in Blade, which is fine. I yeah yeah I think we're all okay with that. We just don't want it more of this. I also think that when they introduce Blade and vampires proper to the MCU, I hope the vampires are a little bit different and Morbius stands out as a different kind of vampire. On a couple related notes, the memes have just gone crazy about (laughs) Morbius over the week. I saw one that it showed a, a car that had been broken into and it said, everyone be careful out there. I had two tickets to Morbius sitting in my car. Somebody just broke in and put four more in there. I saw things, you know, pictures of empty theaters. And and sort of the running joke is now that Morbius is the greatest superhero movie that has ever been made ever. It's going to get all the money and all the awards. And it's they're just right. Yeah. Did you see the, the tweet with Tyrese? No. No. Okay. So what happened was somebody made a fake tweet of Martin Scorsese standing in front of a Morbius poster. Oh, with yes. a quote from Martin Scorsese, a made-up one that said, like, I just want to say I was wrong about superhero movies. I just saw Morbius, and it really is fantastic. I, I you know, Great work from... And Tyrese saw that and thought it was real yes. and tweeted about, I can't believe this is the greatest moment of my life that Martin Scorsese has said great things about... Oh, Tyrese. Oh, Tyrese. <laughs> earn, that, earn that paycheck, Tyrese. Yeah, <laughs> earn that right? paycheck, Tyrese. 
I swear he's not just a pretty face. Yeah. <laughs> they did a pitch meeting for Morbius, and it's hilarious. Oh, I gotta it's, see it. It's rough. Oh, so like that what, wraps up yeah. my news. Anything you wanted to add or anything more? No, no news is I, good news. I was okay. going to say, I think that wraps us up for the news. Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to kick off our show. Paul's going to give a little rundown, like brief history of the character Blade. I am? Yes, you are, sir. <laughs> Man, I wasn't ready at all. Just kidding. So Blade was introduced as a supporting character in Marvel Comics' The Tomb of Dracula, July of 1973. So he's not a he's a more recent character, which is strange when like recent characters are like from the 70s on. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, people tend to forget yeah. Batman, Superman, uh, Z- Zatara. I didn't even know mm-hmm. this. You know Zatara, the father of Zatanna? Uh, yeah. No. You know Zatanna from the, right Zatanna. I know her father was introduced the same year as Superman in a different comic book series. Oh wow! I did not yeah. know that. I I recently learned that. I'd also like to add that one third of this show actually remembers the seventies. That's fine because you know <laughs> we weren't alive. I don't remember anything. I don't from remember the 70s. anything from the seventies at all. <laughs> Just what I see in the Austin Powers movies, the seventies and the eighties. But so originally, Blade had no supernatural powers. The only thing he had was a an immunity to vampire bites. Because of his mother being, I believe, a vampire. Or there was something along the lines of a genetic disorder. But yeah, originally he had no powers. And it was an enzyme in his bloodstream that was from his mother being bitten by a vampire. So there are a lot of different interpretations. Some are, you know, father was a vampire, mother was a human, they had a baby. So there's that version. There's the mother was attacked while giving birth or pregnant version. So usually it involves some sort of vampire father or attacker and a human mother and his mother was bitten as either she was giving birth or you know while she was pregnant and blade came out he was able to just resist vampire bites it wasn't until an encounter with our favorite vampire morbius the living vampire that he got in comic book continuity he got his uh powers which included all the the typical super strength super speed resistance to all sorts of things so that's how Blade got started in the comics. In the film series, which we're going to talk about in a, in a little bit, Blade was, you know, his mother was attacked while he was while she was giving birth, basically, and he was born a half human, half vampire, the Daywalker. All their strengths, none of their weaknesses, type thing. And Blade is also considered one of the best martial artists in the Mar- in the Marvel universe. Very capable, swords, weapons, very aggressive type. Uh, character and i do believe he was part of the midnight suns for a while so he's he's worked with like ghost rider probably moon knight like all these different characters oh he has he has done with moon knight because that was actually something so. this week i was thinking about when watching moon knight i'm like oh blade would really fit well into this universe mm-hmm. which is funny because moon knight just had its second episode at yeah. the time of this recording and they're really leaning into some of the supernatural stuff with it mm-hmm. so i would not be surprised if blade doesn't cameo we'll get sam and dean no, no, no. Different uh, Supernatural. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but I would be totally okay with either a cameo from Ghost Rider or right. um, or Blade and Moon Knight. That'd be a lot of fun because Ghost Rider was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they did a really good job with him, surprisingly, yeah. considering yes. Agents I, of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of... Yeah. I, I feel like you won't. Because I, I feel like with these Disney Plus shows, they're just keeping it to like characters we know mm-hmm. or like that actually like go hand in hand with the Well, I'd the argue main one. they introduced... Uh, Lady Madame Hydra in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, and then yeah. they had her in the movie. I would also argue they introduced Echo in uh, Hawkeye. Yeah, but they're just gonna have her get her own show. Oh, 
Yeah, I see what you mean. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, I I wouldn't be surprised because they did have Mahershala Ali do a voice cameo for Eternals. Yeah, know, which we forget about because was Eternals. that the one good part of Eternals? No, the credits were. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first Marvel sex scene was. All right, I will I will fully concede here. I oversold the Eternals. <laughs> you didn't oversell the Eternals. You everyone did. You sold. Yeah. Chloe's out, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, because I have no problem with the direction of that movie. It's just not a good movie. Yeah, it's it's an example of you can get a great director, but when you're really locked into the Marvel formula, yeah, the Marvel formula is always its strongest when they're first introducing characters. Yes. They're they're very good at reading where a character goes and adjusting accordingly. Then, like look at Thor. Thor is a perfect example, right. or Captain America. But yeah, Marvel with their formula for that first movie. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tight. It's, 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 it's very, very tight. Uh, organized. Yeah, I, I, uh, the Eternals is a very pretty movie, and I like that they were trying something new. But yeah, I don't know if I would watch it again. Yeah, yeah. but uh, getting back to Blade, my first time interacting with Blade, not on a personal level because I don't really know him. <laughs> really, yeah. I don't think you would want to really interact with him. Yeah, probably not. Was especially uh, after that third movie. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> was uh, Spider-Man the animated series? Like a lot of a lot of characters that I've learned about, I first saw them in Spider-Man the animated series. Same with Morbius. I think I mentioned it last week. But Blade was actually introduced, and they were able to get around their censorship quite a bit with Blade. The same thing. He's a vampire hybrid, but in this version, his mother, you know, his father was a vampire. His mother wasn't. She does become a vampire though, and like she's his main antagonist, which happens a lot. And even in the movie, they uh, reference it. But he's got like a laser sword. He drives around on a motorcycle. Like so 90s, perfect 90s character. But yeah, and they introduced Whistler in that continuity too. You think you think we're going to get him in Doctor Strange? Blade? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Probably, I, not, I, probably not Wesley Snipes, but... I, you know what? Something that didn't occur to me until you started talking about it. Why is he called Blade? That's and, just the name and, he took. Well, yeah. I, I looked it up, and it said that it said his lust for getting revenge on Dracula led Brooks to China with a crew of vampire hunters, and the group began to call him Blade thanks to his proficiency with bladed weapons. Yep. His real I'm, name's Eric. Watch out. Yeah. yeah. Eric Brooks. Eric <laughs> Cross. So... Awesome. But that's going to kind of wrap us up for our beginning segment. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we'll talk some movies. But first, a quick commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Ray's Energy Drinks from Rep Sports. Whether you're trying to crush your afternoon workout or just need a little extra pick-me-up, Ray's Energy is just the boost that you're going to need. So if you go to repsports.com and any product that you order, enter the code MISFIT89 at checkout to receive 15% off. Anything that you guys buy from that store helps our network grow, and we fully, fully appreciate everything you guys do. That's MISFIT89 at checkout, repsports.com. Welcome back, everyone. We hope you had a nice commercial break. So we're going to jump right into things. So again, we're going to kick things off. Really, the main focus is going to be talking about Blade, the first movie. We'll touch a little bit on the second movie and then Blade Trinity as well, even though that one was trash. But basically, we get introduced to Blade, the character, via the screen back in 1998. So this movie is coming up on its 24th anniversary what are some of our initial thoughts to blade rob so i rewatched it this week and i remember when i first watched it i was kind of meh about it but i have to say i i enjoyed it a lot more this it, it holds up a lot better than i thought it was going to and i actually enjoyed it it's not a 
perfect movie. There's, it's got tons and tons of flaws, and and it's a little dated. It is very much a '90s movie, <laughs> which I'll, I'll go through that because I've got. I, I as I was watching it, I'm like, okay, that's a '90s trope. That's a '90s thing, but it's enjoyable. Like I have to say, for something that came out ten years before Iron Man. It's impressive that they were laying some good groundwork for what a superhero yeah. universe looks like. So I, I would recommend, you know, at this point, I'm still recommending Blade for Wesley Snipes especially, but also just it's it's a fun movie. It's mm-hmm. It's got its moments. Yeah. Paul? I wasn't allowed to watch this as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun fact. So I remember this movie was on. All right, here we go. Are you ready? In Sears at the mall, where they have TVs, <laughs> yep. and they would show movies, the first time I ever saw this was, or any part of it, was there. And I was like, what, what year is, what did you say? This was 98, it came out. So I was about 10-ish. <laughs> and of course, it's the scene at the very end, when all of the vampires are getting like electrocuted, and like one guy's <laughs> got like drool coming out of his mouth, and they're all dying viciously, and vampire bats, and I was like... This movie's not for me, <laughs> uh, little little kid. So I didn't see it for quite some time, but mm. this movie is—I love this movie. It is—it holds up surprisingly well. There's some some '90s tropes, you know, the, the long trench coats and all that <laughs> stuff. Like it, it's there are some some moments, but for the most part, I think this movie benefits by the fact it doesn't have too many things that date it. Mm. Like it's hard watching a movie where they rely on technology from the 90s and yeah. you're watching it and you're trying yeah. to explain to somebody in 2020 who's never seen it they're like no 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 this is a really good movie <laughs> yeah right why don't they just call for help they, well they couldn't they needed to find a payphone <laughs> what's that yeah like when they're sending emergency faxes to one another yeah oh, yeah <laughs> gotta get that fax done but so for me this movie and even the sequel i love blade 2 I'm a, I'll, I'll defend blade 2 all day long it's a, i think it's a solid movie blade trinity when I was younger and during the same time as like Dane Cook was popular, popular, like that movie was fine. Yeah. But in, in rewatching Blade Trinity, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, this is cringy. And Ryan Reynolds is just trying his best. He really is. Yeah. He, cause say what you will about Ryan Reynolds. He, he throws himself completely into his roles and yeah, he does play Ryan Reynolds. You oh, know, absolutely. He, in, in all of his movies, but that was like Deadpool before Deadpool for yeah. him. Oh yeah. You. Thank you for asking. Yeah. I, like just to kind of reiterate what you guys have been saying, this movie still holds its own. I, you know, this is a movie I could watch, you know, anytime. Again, you can definitely tell it's from the '90s. All the different tropes, like we said, especially, especially the raving, the rave. The rave. Clubs you don't go to, you don't go to blood raves. <laughs> blood raves. But like that's so like '90s, early 2000s, just raves and everything. You but ever, you ever been to a rave? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. What? Not a blood rave. No, not no, not no. a blood rave. Oh, not definitely rave. not a blood rave. I could tell you that much. But yeah, I, I mean, again, you could tell it's from the '90s based off of the the technology that was used to make the movie as well. Yes, CGI. But it's is got rough. it's got well intentioned. Yes. CGI though. Because that's, that's the thing. I actually wrote that yeah. phrase down. Because <laughs> because that's the thing. Like back back in '98, CGI was what like a year two years old like no one really knew how to use it really to the extent fun fact for your from, fanny from pack, pack. For my fan what pack. was the first movie to have cgi in it tron no tron did not have cgi tron colored over their thing with um star wars tron again no star wars was all miniatures i know i was just you're trying not to name i'll something. give you a hint 1986 is a year. I was not even born. Actually, I think it was 1984. Young, I still was not born. Young Sherlock Holmes. 
was the very first CGI movie because huh. there's a moment where a character has a a uh, is poisoned and he's starting to see things he's a he's a priest in the church and one of the stained glass like the knight from the stained glass jumps oh, out that. yeah I've that's the that. very first yeah, use of C- CGI you know huh all right so it was around for like 10 years then <laughs> Well, At that it's point, still but, like, it still yeah. wasn't good. They hadn't perfected it. <laughs> but yet. what blows my mind is we had had Jurassic Park by then. Like yeah. it, it's it's yeah. crazy to think CGI was CGI is one of those things where when you have good CGI, it, you, it's awesome. Then even movies like huge blockbuster movies like Avengers: Infinity War, the shot where the Hulkbuster armor opens up and it's just his head floating yeah. there. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's a little. It's jarring, goofy. But this movie, the, the CGI really doesn't happen to the end. And it's it's like, because this movie, for the most part, goes for the more realistic type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the only exception is the vampires do turn to dust, which is the, like, this was at the same time Buffy was really popular. Yeah. And they did the same oh, thing. Oh, that's true. Do you know why they did it in Buffy? Why the, they no. turned the vampires to dust? No. Because they didn't want to have to explain every week why this town just had random bodies lying around. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Makes if you, sense. If you watch the original Buffy movie... Mm. Like those vampires don't turn to dust; they just lie there and they die. Oh, that's true. I remember Paul uh, Rubens Paul does like Rubens. a forty-four minute, you know, <laughs> uh, oh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for the TV show, they're like, how do we explain why there's no, bu- there's that not just sense. hundreds yeah. of bodies yeah. lying around this town? For every episode, did someone? I, I've never seen Buffy. I saw the movie, but in, in the episodes, oh, yeah. did people always die? There was a lot of death. I was going to say, I, I want to yeah. say, yeah, yeah. I love that. Show. I have the whole series. If you ever want to borrow, I might. Actually. Yeah, it, it is fan. It's still. That still holds up. Yeah. Can I read my list of why this is a 90s movie? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Sure. He's the host. <laughs> sure. I was just putting in my vote. I thought this was a democracy. <laughs> okay. There, uh, really quick. Signs that this is a 90s movie. Uh, monochromatic opening credits that are, same, that are the same sized font as the title. Fair. A producer named Joey Calamari. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> But it made me hungry. You know what? And I, I, real quick, I did some research on who Joey Calamari is. He's only did four things, and one of them was the X Men cartoon, and the original Captain America movie from 1990. Nice. Uh, other signs, it's a 90s movie. Stephen with his electronic blue cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dizzy, I didn't even notice. No, but Stephen Dorff was like a really big proponent. Like I remember just seeing thousands of commercials of really? him doing these electric cigarettes. Yeah. And people were like, those won't ever take off. He was an indie star mostly, and, and it was a surprise that he did this. Yeah. Um, peroxide. <laughs> Tracy Lords. Oh, God. Wesley Snipes' haircut. Yep. Uh, yeah. And finally, Donald Logue as an action star. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Logue, do you know any? I don't know if you remember, Donald Logue got his start on MTV doing commercials as a cab driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and. People just picked up on him and started putting him in action movies for some reason. So that's how I knew it was. Because he had that movie. look. Yeah, he did. You know, especially back in the day. You know, he, now he could, yeah, he was a very good henchman. Yeah, very yeah, good, side, good sidekick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got but, two hands now, Blade. <laughs> but you know, we got to, we do have to give this movie credit. It is what started, in my opinion, the MCU with with its success yeah. that it had. I mean, it grossed. Like a hundred million dollars, you know, like it was its net alone, you know, in just this movie. It was the second MCU movie to come out. 
this is like the theatrically wide release first. You mean Marvel. Howard the Duck? You mean Marvel? Uh, Marvel. Marvel. You said MCU. Oh, sorry. Nah, yes, kind of MCU-ish. Same I, kind actually, I, I'm of. very curious to see if Multiverse of Madness makes any sort of reference to this movie because Snipes has, has said more than once he would come back to the role. Granted, he had he was the worst in Blade uh, Trinity. Like, yeah, yeah. He, you hear horror stories about how he behaved on set. With uh, you know, Patton Oswald is very honest about it. Like he'll mm-hmm. do because I always forget he's in the movie. Wait, I forget when is he in the movie? He's one of the Night Stalkers. He he he's like the tech guy. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Very awkward in it because it's Patton Oswald and I love him. He's great. <laughs> but I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if in Multiverse of Madness there's some sort of reference to him or some sort of reference. Also, there I has do, to be because they're both Nightwalkers, aren't they? Weren't they in Nightwalkers together? Night, Night Stalkers. Night Stalkers. Nightwalkers. The same thing. Is it though? Yes, because stalkers walk. No, oh, midnight. Good point. Wait, are you talking about midnight, the Midnight Suns or the Night Stalkers? Night Stalkers. No, walk, the Night Stalkers stalk. was uh, more like just a pure anti-vampire group. I don't think Doctor Strange was ever in it. Oh, I thought he was. No. <laughs> Let us know in the comments below. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I'd be very curious to see because also I do have a theory and I want to throw this out there because I was thinking more on it because <laughs> more on. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's it, yeah. What theme of the episode? It, but um. So we we watched Morbius obviously last week and mild spoilers. At the end, Adrian Toomes is transported to our world via the the same space or the same multiverse like rip. Mm-hmm. rip. I have a theory that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is actually going to explain that instead. That something else happens, nice. and that's why you know Venom got transported. Like all these things happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, that's just a theory because <laughs> Doctor Strange is just going to be a movie about explanations. <laughs> well, Doctor Strange and the Exposition of Madness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I, I would not be surprised if in Doctor Strange we do get at least some sort of reference to this movie or or even vampires in general. Yeah, because I think yeah. uh, what was it? Loki referenced vampires. I think he might have. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously Mahershala Ali was the voice cameo in Eternals. I think yeah. what's great about Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness is that you know we are less than a month out yeah. from it, and how much do we actually know about this movie? Like so little. We know that we have Doctor Strange yeah. in it. We know we have another Doctor Strange in it. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. And Patrick. I think they just released yeah. the runtime. I think it's coming in at like two hours, six minutes. Something like that. Oh my not God, that so long. long. No. <laughs> I need yeah. a short ass movie. <laughs> for, my, for my short attention span, yes. <laughs> Imagine if Morbius was a three hour movie. Ah! But with not better quality. <laughs> <laughs> Same quality. They didn't cut anything out. Uh, but look, why don't we just... We talked about the cast slightly, but let's do a little dive into uh, Wesley Snipes. Um, That sounds uncomfortable. Why? I don't want to dive into Wesley. He doesn't want to dive into his taxes. Ooh. (laughs) Wow. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Wow. That's how you know you're a 90 star. (laughs) Taxes? I don't even know taxes. I, um, I saw an interview with Wesley Snipes yeah. when this was this must have been like right after Blade was or as they were filming and they're interviewing him and he's in the Blade outfit. Yeah. But he's doing Blade in the interview too. <laughs> and and it's so uncomfortable. He actually refers to Wesley Snipes as, as Wesley, Wesley. And it's just so uncomfortable because he didn't want to break character. Yeah. He's 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 an interesting character, Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Well, the best was in Expendables Two, I think. Yeah. They, they they rescue him, and, and one of them asks, "Why were you in prison?" And he says, "Tax evasion," because it was right after he got <laughs> oh, released. Yeah. yeah. But minus the tax evasion, okay. 
How how do we feel about his portrayal as Eric Brooks slash Blade? So I I really like Wesley Snipes, and also I do I give him kudos because he is an, an, a martial artist. He does train mm-hmm. very actively. I think he's a, I think he's like a six degree black belt or something. Wow. Yeah, he's 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 up there, and you can tell that it's him doing a lot of the fight scenes. Sometimes the fight scenes are very strangely edited, and a lot of hand motion, like a lot of. Yeah, like very strange, just yeah. the way oh, that he fights. Sometimes they're probably. I wonder if they're cutting out frames from the to make it seem yeah, faster. To make it seem faster, which I'm fine with, because again, it it's showing that they're that he's better than a human without having to go crazy CGI. Just because you brought up his martial arts, I got it right here. Ooh, I'll hit it. He's a fifth don black belt in Shotokan karate mm-hmm. and a second don black belt in hapkido. Oh, okay. So he knows his stuff. <laughs> I know that when they were doing the movie and putting the script together, that he advocated for a lot of martial arts for it. Like he really mm-hmm. wanted that to be a part of the script, and you can see it in there with him doing it. So it, that is really cool to, to see yeah. that he knows. I mean, his he's he says he's been training in martial arts since he was twelve. Yeah. So mm. I think I mean, the only time that I really don't enjoy him is when he tries to make awkward jokes. Like there's yeah. the, there's the line at the end where right before he kills Frost he's like some mother lovers are always trying to ice skate uphill like what mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that line it's, I'm sorry it's so jarring though it's, it's, it, I, the, the history of that line is that they he David Goyer asked him when they were going over the script what do you think of Deacon Frost and Wesley Snipes yeah. said that and David Goyer is like I love that I'm putting into it into the script <laughs> that doesn't make it better <laughs> yeah but you know he he. He forces comedy when comedy doesn't need to be involved at all, yeah. or even forced. I think is like you said, this was only downfall. I think like it, it was near perfect casting, you know, yeah. to have Wesley Snipes in there. He just brought a different element to it because of his martial arts background as well. I mean, back then Wesley Snipes was the man. Oh, yeah. You know, Passenger 57 was uh, five years before this, yeah. I think. You had White Man Can't Jump. Oh, 96, you know? yeah. I mean, like, he was just on he a roll. Hot. He was, like, the number no, one. He was, you know what he was? He was the Will Smith before Will Smith. And he seems to be going, He and Will Smith <laughs> seems to be going that same trajectory. <laughs> Knock on wood. Gotta go a whole week That was without. a big slap in I the know, face. Oh, to, yeah. oh wow. Ronnie's on. <laughs> he is in fuego today. But what are yeah. your thoughts about Wesley? I, I loved Wesley in this. He is, I love a movie where it's very clear the actor is enjoying being that person. Mm-hmm. And you could see it in Wesley that everything he does, he's have he's living his best life as Blade. He's clearly he is he is it as the kids yeah. say nowadays. And Maybe. and he just I I love the stoicism he brings to the role. I mm-hmm. love the the intensity. Like I'm just thinking of that moment where he inject he gets Whistler injects him with the uh, serum and he's just sitting in that chair just like Grah! like I'm I, and I was actually worried about Wesley Snipes. I'm like he's going to like pop an eyeball <laughs> or a vein or something like that. Yeah. He was trying so hard. He's a great He's a great actor, and I don't think he gets enough attention. I, I think I wonder though if his time has passed. I mean, it would be great to see someone like you know Tarantino bring him back. You know the way Tarantino does with a lot of actors that have been past their prime. Yeah. I think Wesley would be perfect for something like that. I don't know if he would be good as Blade again, but I think he'd be a great Whistler. Oh yeah, yeah, that or, would be good. Or even better, the vampire that killed his mother. Oh, that would be neat. Yeah. yeah, I think I think they could if they want to bring Wesley Snipes back, they can. 
but the MCU isn't really as known for it. DC do, yeah. does it a lot yeah. where they bring back former character, former actors as new oh, characters, sure. especially on the Arrowverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made the 90s Flash canon. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I could see that being a DC play, but I think it'd be a little jarring to see Wesley Snipes in a Blade property, not as Blade. Yeah. I think it would be cool, like you said, bring him in as like Whistler and be Mahershala Ali's Whistler, like mentor, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, I think that would be a cool concept to have him back. All right, you ready? Yeah. I'm going to pull a Rob, okay? Uh-oh. Well, I don't know even know what that means. <laughs> You'll find out, I guess. <laughs> Are vampires in this magical? All right, let's think. So first of all, why do you ask that? Because there's a giant plot hole about it, and I like asking questions that nobody's prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback right. to Morbius. So what's, what's the plot hole? Okay, so in this movie, I had the answer already. Oh, okay. But I, I wanted to make it fun. So in this movie, they establish that these vampires are all, it's a it's a genetic disorder. It is completely, it is curable, it, or it's, it's treatable, it's curable okay. to a point. And they literally say, like, crosses don't work, holy water doesn't right. do this. this. They're literally just, they have a gene disorder. It's an infection. Are they mutants? So, but here's the question oh, then. okay. At the end, they specifically use a magic ritual to create a vampire god. That's true. To the point where they turn into CGI vampire things, fly out of people's mouths, and then he absorbs them all. And, yeah, magic. Now, maybe they're not necessarily magic. Okay. But, I mean, just like if there was a magic book of spells in front of us and we just follow the directions we would be able to create whatever we were trying to, right? Or it. summon something we were trying to summon. Which is a teaser for our next episode where we'll be looking at uh-huh. Evil Dead too. But, so, like, I wonder if it's something like that where it's, like, you, you can create the almighty pyre, you know, to, like... The almighty the, pyre? Yeah. What is a, what is a pyre? Know? Vampire. Oh, yeah. I thought you were thinking, like, pyre, P-Y-R-E, like, as oh. in, like... <laughs> funeral? <No>. Funeral pyre. <laughs> um, okay. I never – I'm thinking about it now that you bring it up. I don't – see, and this is – you also said about Moon Knight and magic too. I think I don't see that in my brain as magic. I see that as folklore and, and like mythology. So I don't I – don't, and see, I don't see mythology as – maybe that's because I'm, I'm an English teacher. But I don't see mythology as magic. I see it as more like mystical. historical mysticism. Which I, I get and I totally agree yeah. with. It's, the only challenge I have is they cl- they clearly create separate lines. They're like, this is vampires are not they're science based, right? Yeah. But then they introduce this huge level of magic into it. Yeah, because they've got the text, the old yeah. text, yeah. and everything. And again, that's fine. Like if they ha- if there's a vampire Bible, as they refer to it right. as such, cool. I mean, vampires in this continuity have been around for millions of years, so they're going to have historical records, yeah. and they're yeah. they're going to be exaggerated, just like you know our own historical records, but. It just it was always jarring for me that science vampires, yeah, like like Morbius was is a science vampire. He's right. created by science, not so much a traditional vampire bite. Then they establish that there is magic; it does exist, mm. and here it is. So I I wonder if they were just, trying to kind of create a multiverse almost, where it's like we have the science vampires or biological vampires whatever you want to call them but then there's also other vampires that are worse than us that are magical they you get bit by it and 
now you are. It's not a blood disorder. Yeah, it's it's very weird. And also, yeah. another question I have about this movie is they established that the council of like the head vampires are all pure blood vampires, as they call them. They're born vampires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If vampires are immortal, how do they age? They're not immortal. Uh, well, see, oh, wait, they don't. They don't <laughs> age. Doesn't Udo Kier say that at one point that like but, Blade ages, but the others don't? But but this so is the thing. How, so how so if I was born, I'm a baby, right? So we so should have I baby be vampires. Good yes. point. All right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Or they age until a certain age, and then which, which and, and then fine. they and then they stop. Like like look at um. Say Twilight, I dare you. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of the name. I could not think of the name, but yes, yeah, think of Twilight maybe. Which which is fine. Just if I was an immortal vampire, because they're all they're all like old men. Right. Imagine being stuck at forty six just for the rest of eternity. Like I don't stop think me. it's well, that bad. Also, I guess <laughs> for Im- all of eternity. Also, immortal does like not mean you that. can't age. You can still yeah, age, sure. you just can never die because of your age. Okay. All right. It's still strange. Back, but yeah. back to the magic though part. And here, I don't have an answer, so there's no correct answer for this. Um, Bad do you writing. feel All the that above. Christ's death and resurrection is magic? I'm not touching that one. <laughs> I'm not touching that well, one. Because, well, that's my, uh, that's my point here. Are you that... bringing this up because Easter's around the corner? <laughs> <laughs> that's my point is because I always kind of felt that this thing that was going on was more of a faith-based thing I in, have in religion. Answer. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. It all depends on the person you're asking. Okay. Because just like with anything, different viewpoints, different things, yeah, and different Cause, meanings. Because I think that's with with Moon Knight. Yeah. I don't really see that as magic so much as I do like faith and religion. Which part? The the whole like the Avatar stuff. Like oh no! Of, so yeah. like in Moon Knight, in the comics, yeah. he is an Avatar. Right. But they they play around with the idea of early on that he may just be crazy. But then they do yeah. establish that he is an Avatar for okay. for Kanchu. Yeah. Is my, that how you say his name? Yeah. My issue in the Moon Knight TV show is that he has magical armor that just yes, pre- that is because in, in the comic in the comics he's literally just he's just rich. Yeah. And a really good fighter, and I hate. I hate the idea of giving a character like Moon Knight magical armor because then it's it's almost it's almost like the Power Rangers how they can fight yeah. when they wear their outfits. Yeah. Yeah. Summon the suit. Yeah. Um. So if they if they say it's actually just technology like a, like an like a pseudo Iron Man nanotech thing, right. but it doesn't seem like okay. that's the case. All right, let, let's move our conversation along. So we talked about some plot holes that we had with with the movie and some questions and everything. What is something that stands out to you in this movie, Paul. The opening scene. It is still incredible. Mm. You know, the blood starts going, and this poor guy's like, what did I just get myself into? Because, mm-hmm. you know, he got picked up by a vampire. And it, it, it was a first establishment of their, their culture. Of Because in traditional vampire stories, they tend to be a little bit more Victorian, like very like proper and posh. Yeah. You know, you have like uh, your underworld, where it shows that the vampires have like a nice hierarchy, and they enjoy mm-hmm. being immortal. Or uh, what's another good one? Interview with the vampire. You know, they got the the frills and all yeah. that stuff. Mm. But for this, it, you know, if I was immortal, I'd party too. Like, yeah. if, if I there's no consequences. But then the shot of Blade just appearing, and everybody else is covered in blood, but he's just like so, like pristine and clean and ready to just like throw down. It established everything you needed to know about that character by him just standing there and how scared they were of him. Yeah, and that he goes to. T- Town. Yeah, and he still he saves the guy too. Like he's about to kill him, but he checks him. He's like, "Nope, you're good. Bye." Yeah, 
And you also that in that moment you learn that he's not there to help people. He's there to just kill vampires. Yeah. Helping people is just a happy accident. Mm -hmm. So uh, that opening scene always gets me. Mm. What about you, Rob? I found every time I, when I was watching the movie that certain scenes would come up where it was very clear that there is a lack of funding in the sanitation department in their city <laughs> because there is so much blowing newspaper everywhere in this. Like, I laughed. Every time they showed a street, there's like, whoosh, this yeah. newspaper everywhere. And I'm like, that's hysterical. No, in, in all seriousness, I like the tone of the film because I it is a mix for me of a superhero movie a Western and a black exploitation film from the 70s. Mm -hmm. Like, it's that really cool combination of all three. And it they pull it off. Like, it's, it's you know, the, the two characters facing down each other over time. You've got the, the, the hyped-up 70s, you know, black superhero character with the, the female black sidekick that are just, you know, sticking it to the man and everything. Like, it's... It's fun, and so the, any moment where it invoked all three of those superhero, those those moments of tone, really did it for me. And also the movie just the movie just has so many like WTF moments, like yeah. when they come across Pearl. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is this <laughs> character from the comics? Is it really? I think so. Yeah. Like there were so many great moments where I just I didn't expect that mm -hmm. something happened and it would happen. Like all of a sudden they decide to bring Udo Kier's uh, character to the beach and watch him explode. Or when he takes the little girl and he's holding her and, you know, so that way Blade doesn't attack him. Like little moments like that where I didn't expect mm -hmm. is what did it for me. How about you, Ronnie? I I'm going to agree with Paul. I think, again, the opening scene kind of, or yeah, I guess you could say scene, you know, but mm. it's not really just a scene. I think it's just kind of was like, Oh, so this is what we're getting ourselves into with this movie. And then it sets the tone and it maintains and keeps that tone throughout the whole movie, I think was great. And then as a martial artist himself, I do love the fights in all all three movies with the third one a little bit less. But I, I do love the, the fight sequences and everything that we do get throughout this movie in particular, but all three in this trilogy, though. I, I, I just remembered another moment. Mm -hmm. This is, I think, hands down my favorite moment. Uh -oh. I forget what fight scene it is, but there's one part where he rips out a guy's throat mm -hmm. and, and throws then it. throws it at another guy. <laughs> that was just so <laughs> bonkers to yeah. me. I awesome. think it was uh, when he's storming in, either either when he's storming in at the end or when they yeah. first are in the... the uh, I think it Bible is at the end. I think it is at the Probably. end. Probably, yeah. yeah. All right. Want to do some Star City ratings? Sure. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. I'm going to give this movie a four. It is a solid superhero flick. It still holds up. Plot holes aside, it's still a fantastic, a good time. And if you're a comic book fan, you know, it's like Ronnie said, this this movie, a lot of people credit X-Men for really starting the, the comic yeah. book craze. This movie was first. This yeah, movie was, was the yeah. first really successful comic book movie of the 90s. And then it definitely leads into the creation of the MCU and the DCEU. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rob, I am going to go three and a half because it's it's not perfect. It's got its flaws, mm -hmm. but it's still a lot of fun. It's that ending is just a like. Do you are you familiar with the original ending with Morbius? A little bit with oh, Morbius. the tornado with, with the tornado yeah. blob blood <laughs> the thing <laughs> yeah so there was supposed to be and and if you look it up on YouTube you can actually watch it. It's where rough. It is Deacon Frost instead of fusing back together becomes a giant. 
tornado of blood, and then he like. I don't know what Wesley Snipes does. He, oh, he throws this, the the vampire cure into it or something like that. It's mm-hmm. weird. And then Michael Morbius shows up on a rooftop at the very end. Yeah. But even there's there was even another original ending that they were going to go with where it was that the vampires win and then the sequel was going and, – and they actually bathe the entire city in this blood and they all become vampires and now blood and, and what's-her-name has to like – fight all Karen. of them. Karen. Karen, is that it? Dr. Karen Jensen. Um, and, and they didn't go with that. So, like, that's interesting, too. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like I said, the, the ending, I think they really didn't know how to stick the landing at the end. So it's an okay ending, mm-hmm. but there are so many just super cool movement moments of Blade being awesome yeah. that it's worth, it's, like, it's, don't get me wrong, I'm definitely recommending it, but I, I'm saying three and a half just because right. of, of that. Falls, falls yeah. apart at the end a little. Yeah. Yeah. See, the, for for me, this is a this is a tough one because I'm trying to think of my score. Even though you guys were just talking for like two and a half, three minutes, I'm still torn as to what I want to give this just because of Blade Two. Go like, on. So, I I to in my opinion, both movies are equal. I would say, but for me, I'm like. Uh, what, what, which one am I going to score what? And then that determines when I'm going to score the other one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I might give this a 3.75 because I can't make a decision between between three and a half and four. One eighth. Yeah. But it, it, three and a half, it can be a four, though, in my, in my mm-hmm. opinion, for this movie. That mm-hmm. second movie has the benefit of Guillermo del Toro directing it. Yes. Um, this and, guy, a, and a better plot. Yeah. Yep. The, the director from this is Stephen Norrington. He only ever directed four movies. Mm-hmm. And I looked at I looked at trailers from his other movies, and they're all kind of the same feel as yeah. this. And what I also noticed in all of his movies, he has an extreme leather fetish. <laughs> yeah. He That's loves funny. the sound of creaking leather. Yeah. But speaking of Blade 2, because uh, let's just quickly go through Blade 2 and Blade Trinity, especially Blade Trinity, because I feel like we're all... In agreement with how we feel about Blade Trinity. Mm-hmm. So let's just spend like a couple minutes on Blade 2. So Blade 2, we we get the return of Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes and, and Whistler. That's really it, Which I want to say. Which considering Whistler, quote unquote, kills himself in the first right. movie. Yeah. But it's, we never actually see it. Right. We just yeah. hear the noise. Yeah. So, so Which is stupid, but it still gives them yeah. an out. But but this one you got again. It's kind of like a product of its time. Two thousand two. It's another. You know, this movie made another hundred million. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. You know, it, to me, this is a coin flip between Blade and Blade Two as to which one's better. You know, some have little things that are a little bit better in one that aren't as strong in the other one and everything. But I mean, you have, like we said, Wesley Snipes and Chris Christopherson returning. We got Ron Perlman in here, Norman Reedus, you know. So oh, it's a stack cast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. So like for for that time, it's a stack cast because now, like you know, yeah, yeah. A lot, it, all these people in this movie nowadays, people are like, who's that? I've never yeah. heard of them. Guillermo del Toro has his group, like, and it's yeah. the same yeah. group that he brought to Hellboy, and and he likes working with those people, and you see a lot of them in here, and and I have to say, if you're a Guillermo del Toro fan or completist, this is definitely should be on there because there's some really cool creature work in this too. Yeah. yeah, you get some really good work with the with the new vampires in it. I forget they have an actual name, but I forget uh, the Reapers. 
They're, oh, they're, okay. oh right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you get some great character work with the Reapers. The CGI gets a little wonky at Does certain points. It gets there are two really wonky CGI scenes, and they're both involving Blade fighting somebody where they CGI the whole body. And this was during the real rubbery looking phase yeah. of CGI, where when they tried to do a body, you know, movies like The Matrix Reloaded, uh, mm. the Spider-Man franchise was also famous for it, where when you were seeing what was supposed to be a real person. But it was CGI, like it just looked rough. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this was a movie of the fun nicknames. Oh yeah, a lot of fun <laughs> nicknames in this one. <laughs> oh really? Uh, yeah, you got Scud, Chupa, Snowman, Light Hammer, Priest, Rush. Like <laughs> it was just. What would your vampire name be, Ronnie? Ooh, muscles. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> Aww. Aww. That one, that one's good too. <laughs> I, I know, but it would have been mean if I called you it. I no, it wouldn't. Have what, been. what would be mine? Haircut? Yeah. Haircut. Yeah. Haircut. Yeah. Or hair. Yeah. Elvis. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Thank I'm you looking much. up when I saw this. I, it was. It's been six years since I've seen. it, oh. so I don't remember I like, can, it at all. I was like, you can look that up. Oh, because I, I keep track of everything. I've oh, okay. 20, I was like, I was like, it yeah. came out 20 years ago. Actually, I saw it in 2016 for the it, first yeah, time. Yeah, March 22nd. 2002, so it's... 20, oh, dang. 20 we should have done years? a whole episode for it. Yeah. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Happy Blade anniversary, two. Blade 2. Anything else we want to talk about before we do a Star City rating for Blade 2? Any any important things about Blade 2 other it, than it's it, pretty much it, the it same movie? Better. It I think it, but it does it better. Looks, yeah. It looks more timeless. Mm-hmm. Like, the other one is very clearly, like we said, a 90s movie, whereas this one could exist. And that's Del Toro. He, he yeah. tends to do that. So he doesn't kind of give it. It's normal. Yeah. This is the 90s. This is the early 2000s yeah. looks. He's like, no, this is my look. Yeah, Del Toro's got his own aesthetic, and, yeah. and it, you could see it here. Yeah. Star City rating, Rob. I'm going to just trust what I wrote down six years ago, and I have... Uh, 3.5 written down here because okay. I actually do rate things on IMDb and mm-hmm. I gave it a 7 out of 10. So I will go 3.5 just because. So same as Blade? Yeah. I, I See, the thing though is that Blade improved for me on this second viewing. So I'm wondering yeah. if Blade 2 will improve for me on the second viewing yeah. too. And so right. it could even go up to like a, th- as you would say, a 3.75. <laughs> I'm going to give this movie a 4. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's slightly better than the first one, which is kind of surprising. A lot of times the sequel is equal or worse than you know the first one in most cases but i I think this one's slightly better this is why i'm kind of stuck on that four this is a four while like i said with blade it's like three and a half to a four so like paul said it just it's the same kind of movie but just a little bit better executed i'm also gonna just stick with my four i think blade and blade two are so like in line with each other. I will say Blade 2 has the better script, but I think Blade is more memorable. You know, Blade 2 also came out at a time where a lot of the same the same kind of looking movies were. Like I think the guy who plays the main reaper also plays the bad guy in in Hellboy. Same actor. I wouldn't be surprised. Or not in Hellboy, the the second one, the Golden, Golden Army. Army. Yeah, it's the same guy who plays Nuala, Nuatu, whatever his mm-hmm. name is. But and this movie definitely has it has its own look. It has its own unique aesthetic. It's very good. It ends on a very dour note, like where mm. he's like finally, like the vampire girl like dies in his arms, and like it, it was interesting. And I think it it added a lot more depth to the entire vampire world because basically he's working with the vampires in the second one. Yeah. So I think we get a chance to kind of learn a little bit more about them, and they're not they're not necessarily evil, all of them, but they are they're they're almost more animalistic. Yeah. Just where, yeah. 
talking about the script really quick, I looked this up, which is it's confusing to me. David Goyer, who you all know my feelings about him, I can't stand him. He wrote the first movie, but he also wrote the second movie too. But yes. I wonder if Del Toro like kind of had some input. He doesn't get credited I, I with think it. So. Uh, Goyer wrote all three. Did he really? Yes. Goyer wrote. I do. I did find this out too. That he. Well, first of all, he himself admits to not being great at dialogue, but he's good at structure, which I would agree. He does mm-hmm. like even Batman v Superman. He is good at the structure there. He just can't. You know, that's. He, I'm sure he wrote the the line Martha's too. So, <laughs> but he. He can establish a tone. I found this out. David Fincher helped him out with the first Blade movie in terms mm-hmm. of writing the hero's journey yeah. aspects of it. And Fincher was actually even supposed to direct it too, but he Goyer ended up going with it. But I think, yeah, Del Toro probably had more input than what he's given credit for on that second movie, mm-hmm. yeah. which is why it's a better script. All right, so moving things along, we have Blade Trinity, which... Uh is basically let's get all the big names of people that are big in, you know, the same thing, kind of like early 2000s, and put them in a movie even though they cannot act. (laughs) That's basically what they did in this movie, with the exception of, obviously, Wesley Snipes. At that time, Ryan Reynolds wasn't too big of a name. He was on his way to be who he is now. That's really it that you get. Yeah, you know, like you, you do have other big names. You got Jessica Biel in it, who I, I think we can all agree isn't the best. She's just a pretty face. She wasn't hired for her acting, exactly. You know, and then Dominic Purcell as Dracula in this, which <laughs> crazy. Yeah, <laughs> we, you got the return of Chris Christopherson again, again for fourteen minutes. Yep, you got Triple H. The wrestler. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yes. that. I will still argue that the dialogue between him and Ryan Reynolds is still my favorite in the entire movie. Oh, when he's torturing <laughs> him? No, uh, afterwards, he's like, you see my dog? Have you tried the lobby? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. It, say what you will about this movie. Ryan Reynolds is is hilarious in it. He's very funny. This is like his. This was his first Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is terrible. It, it is, it is mm-hmm. a mess. There are some things that really work. I found Drake to be scary at times, like when he attacks mm-hmm. the two in the uh, in like the goth store. Like mm-hmm. that's actually like like when she's trying to escape from him. Like yeah. that's like a, oh all right. These movies benefit from being rated R, but this is the movie that benefits the least from it. Yeah, this is the most PG thirteen out of these R movies. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah, I'm telling you, they literally just went. You look like a vampire. You can be part of this movie. I will argue that Parker Posey makes things better in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Like I, she's an indie goddess in my world, and, and and it's so awesome seeing her doing something mainstream. Yeah, and, and she's trying hard. But I will tell you that the only reason this movie is of any quality is Ryan Reynolds. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again, um, this is kind of what made Ryan Reynolds known and the Ryan Reynolds we love. This was right after Van Wilder. Like, yeah. This oh, was, yeah. Yeah. Like he he was just getting big. Yeah. And he he got ripped for this movie. This is like the first movie oh, yeah. where he's like jacked mm-hmm. in it. But I, I do enjoy this movie. It does have its very dour, depressing moments. And then the, I like the Dracula transformation at the end because they do a practical suit. And I always think that a practical suit and practical effects are a little bit better. But for me, like this movie, it, it's, it's so forgettable. Yeah. You know why? It's because there was no chemistry on the set. Yeah, well, because Wesley because Snipes of Wesley was, Snipes, who is terrible, he he was too busy smoking pot, mm-hmm. calling everyone a racist mm-hmm. on this. You know, just post it notes. Yeah, wouldn't talk to any of the castmates. Yeah, it was his assistant that had to talk 
to everyone. Yeah, he would. He refused to talk to everyone. I. I, I mean, Did you hear about the eye-opening thing? What's that? So this movie has a couple of alternate endings. So in, yes. in the theatrical version, Dracula turns into a version of Blade so that Blade can escape. Like mm-hmm. he, Because he, he could shapeshift, they mm-hmm. establish. So he turns into Blade, and then like in the autopsy room, he turns back. And they're like, oh, no, Blade's really alive, and he's out there fighting evil. Cool. That's the theatrical version. There is a version where Blade quote-unquote, wakes up in the morgue and then attacks everybody. But Wesley Snipes apparently refused, refused to open his eyes. So it is CGI, the eyes opening. And oh my God, it is jarring. Like it's terrifying. So, and then there's one where Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel are now fighting werewolves instead. Because. In a casino. Do you know why? Spinoffs. Underworld. Oh, yeah, same time. That's why. They were going to do a crossover with Underworld, but then it just didn't go through because of the fact that the film rights reverted back to Marvel Studios Mm. for Blade. That's why. All right, finish off Star City rating? Two and a half. It is a completely average movie that is saved by a decent performance from some of the supporting cast. All right, Rob? I want to go slightly higher than that just because of it's Ryan Reynolds just made me laugh mm-hmm. the entire time. And as a train wreck, it's interesting to watch. So I'm going to say two and three quarters. I also, I have, I don't know if this exists somewhere, but I would love to see, does Ryan Reynolds get more screen time than Wesley Snipes? I don't think so. Because he is yeah, barely in it. Well, Ryan Reynolds, his character also goes MIA for the middle of the movie oh, after he gets he? hurt. He mm-hmm. gets hurt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give two and a half as well. Again, just, Average movie, would I, but would I recommend it? No. Like, 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 oh, yeah. like, I would be like, yes, in a way, just took... This is Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool before before he was Deadpool, Deadpool. after he was Deadpool. And then Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> so, But I think that's going to wrap us up for our discussion of Blade. But before we go, we do have our fan feedback Friday. Word. This week, what is a superpower that you would want for mundane reasons, i.e. super speed so you don't get stuck in traffic? So, that was a fun one. Super strength to make moving easier and to help others in need. I guess. Our friend John from the Hey Palace New Podcast. I would say telepathy so I could stop asking people things like, how are you or what did you say? Or asking stupid questions like, what did you mean by that? That's that's funny. Heat vision so I can warm up my cup of coffee. That's, that's a good one. Teleportation so I can occasionally be on time. That was me. And it's true. And I'll still be late. The ability to read a book in the dark without a light would make it easier to read at night from our friend Karina. Let's see. Uh, the ability to raise the room temperature up by five degrees so I don't need a sweater. That's a good one. Rob. The ability to fly so I don't have to worry about traffic. Yeah. X-ray vision to see what is wrong with me instead of spending money going to the doctor or hospital. <laughs> womp womp. You're welcome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Okay. Well done, Anything to save a buck or two. Or a hundred. Is this broken? <laughs> no. No. Nope. All right. I don't need to go to the doctor. <laughs> a little ice. Yeah. But that is going to wrap us up for this evening. We had a great time. We hope you did as well. Don't forget, you can take us on the go with Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, or any other listening station. Don't forget, you can find all of our different podcast content as well as articles written by Rob and by Paul on our website, The Misfit Faction. Dot com and all of the social medias that we have out there. As always, I'm Ronnie. I'm Paul. And I'm Rob. And we'll be back in a flash. Smorgasbord. See ya.